0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to the rundown. Uh, I think the Knicks have qualified for the in-season tournament. Somebody feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, But right now, my belief is the Knicks have qualified for the in-season tournament. Um, Before we get started, uh, now that I'm actually in a good mood because the Knicks one today. Uh I will do the all all the professional stuff I'm supposed to do. For bet online, the holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason four. Bet online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and productions, bet online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports and not just the big four. but online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played from MMA to international soccer. Head to the bet online app today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but online where the game starts. Um, I am watching the, the, the fucking bucks and heat game. And again, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but we have qualified in almost at, at the bare minimum we've qualified, but now it's either about whether we get home court or we have to travel. Is that, is that correct? Am I, am I right? Uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, the Knicks one, most importantly, this is the most important thing. Cause this actually counts for our, uh, you know, our regular season record. Uh, the Knicks one, uh, I actually forgot the score because the last few minutes of this game are so stupid. 115 91, uh, pretty, I don't know, weird game. Uh, Jeff, by the way, Jeff is going to be joining me in a little bit. He's just on his way back. um, Weird game. Uh worth mentioning. Julius Randall's start to this game was awesome. And I mean, look, I, I know the opposition wasn't exactly uh murderer's row here, but well, Miles Bridges was the opposition, huh? So maybe it was. Um, but <laughs> but damn that was maybe that was a little too rough. Uh but he started off really, really well and he, he set the tone early. I liked the way he played. I thought he was decisive. I thought he made quick decisions. I liked the threes he took early in the game. You know, he pulled the trigger fast on both of them, uh, the ones that he made in the first quarter. And, um, you know, like I, I thought his decision-making in was good in ways that it not it isn't always. And I also just liked some of the unselfishness he showed. Uh, he could have easily pulled the trigger or swung the ball back out on an offensive rebound. Instead, he kind of fed Mitch on a post up. Mitch did some real weird shit, uh, put the ball between his legs and I, I don't really know what he did. Uh, Turn the ball over. But like, I just liked the idea of Julius um, kind of rewarding him for keeping the possession alive. And, uh, I thought his defense to start the game was actually really good. It, it was not so good in the third quarter when the Hornets made a run to get back in the game, but to start the game, I, I thought he was really good on defense. Actually on a couple of occasions, he rotated to spots that clearly I don't think Mitch was ever expecting him to. So they ended up giving easy feeds to uh, fuck. Why can't I, Wow. I can't believe uh, I I'm totally blanking here. Uh, Mark Williams, uh, they gave a couple of, easy feeds to Mark Williams on lobs just cuz Mitch did not expect Julius to uh to help on the drive the way he did but uh really really good start from him i liked that Brunson didn't feel the need to kind of inject himself into the game super early when they had other things working uh RJ also got off to a good start to the game and um you know i know that um his finishing left a lot to be desired but uh, I do think this is worth mentioning because this has been talked about. We talked about this really throughout his entire fucking career. But, like, he went 3 of 13 today, right? He had 16 points on 13 shots, even though he missed 10. And he was a net neutral. he's plus zero, however you want to phrase that, parse it, whatever. Um, he, he scored more points than shots on a 91-3 of 13, because he went 99 from the free throw line. If this free throw stuff is legit and look, we're 20% through the season. I'm not ready to just say hundred percent count it, but if that's legit one, I think over the course of the season, I would bet that the three point percentage is less. Yes. It's still going to be sitting at a fluky number after tonight, probably like 42 or something, but I think he'll settle in at an above average level. If this is what the free throw numbers are. And, more importantly it gives him such a more stable floor to be an efficient scorer you know like it it just makes it so much more it it makes it just easier for him to to hit efficient numbers now as a scorer if the free throw shooting is where it is so um you know i think that he definitely look would i like to see a little bit more better a better decision making in some instances um Sure, but but like I think that you you'd be happy with this right now, and um, it just shows growth to me that he can have such a bad shooting game and still uh, not kind of nuke his efficiency and nuke the team's efficiency and whatever um of course, again, you would like to see the overall percentages from the field and all that stuff stay high, but uh, for now, I think you got to take this and be happy with it um again uh, Mitchell Robinson what more can be said uh Mitchell Robinson tonight whew, uh this guy defensive just absolute domination six blocks two steals 10 rebounds six points um i, I don't even think that ju- does it justice there were a couple of occasions where Hayward like his ability now to to not chase blocks and play 2v1 and kind of intimidate guys from taking a shot while also simultaneously taking away the lob I mean he played one to perfection in the first half that um yeah I mean I, I think even last year he's probably jumping on that and, and Hayward either either draws a foul or just has a much easy uh, an, an easy lob to Mark Williams and uh Mitch not jumping on that is uh is great and I gotta say look Obviously seeing Randall play well is great. Uh, you know, seeing Mitch just again, dominate. I thought quickly was really good off the bench, but uh, I, you know, this felt like, I mean, kind of a weird spot to say this in, but this felt like a big situation for Josh Hart and uh, he did not disappoint. You know, he had talked yesterday. And again, I think b- before tonight's game about how he had not felt like he was in a rhythm. And um, that he was kind of struggling with, you know, not being involved as much offensively. Tibbs had a pretty funny quote before the game where he basically was like, his usage is higher than it was last year, which again, uh, shout out Tibbs for just dropping these advanced stats bombs when he wants to dunk on a player and basically tell him to shut the fuck up. Um, But he came out tonight and he played with that pop and that energy that made him such a difference maker last year when the Knicks acquired him. And, uh, you know, yeah, he, it was nice that he made a couple of threes, but even without the threes tonight, like he, he he was really into the game. He played with force. I thought he brought the intensity that the Knicks needed. I mean, him and IQ, they, I mean, they turned the game when they came in during that third quarter because the Hornets had cut the lead to whatever it was, two, three, one. I know they cut it to one at one point, but it was whatever it was, two points, three points when they checked back in. Um, and from that point forward, the Knicks just absolutely blitzed them off the floor, completely ran them off the floor. Josh Hart's defense, he was everywhere. I thought Quickly's defense, he had a couple of contests at the rim. Again, like for a guard his size to have the impact he does, um, protecting the rim is completely ridiculous. It, it should not happen. It, I, I don't know why it happens. Um, but he's his positioning is just so good there. But again, Josh Hart, I mean, what can you say? Tonight, 17 points on 10 shots, 6 rebounds, 5 defensive, 2 assists, a steal, a block. I mean, that block in transition he had was actually awesome on Rogier. Uh, just I just like this is the guy that they need. This is the guy that they that that takes them and this team and that especially that bench unit, he just takes everything up to a higher level and he gives them options uh that they just I mean, clearly that they don't have without him, you know? Um, because on a night like tonight, where RJ Barrett didn't look anywhere near his best, and where Quentin Grimes continues to kind of like not really be able to catch a rhythm, and where Dante DiVincenzo can't make a three, um, I just thought what Hart brought to the table was so big for them. Um and yeah, I, I just, I think he needed that performance desperately. I kind of expected him to have that performance. Um, I, I talked about this with, uh, over with Ace, um, over on uh, our, 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 our other show. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think that he, he was the catalyst for this win in a lot of ways. I, I do not, I'm not trying to undersell what Julius brought to the table because Julius was fantastic. And I think if you were, to say, player of the game, it would have to be Julius. Um, but I, I thought Hart was huge tonight. And, um, you know, uh, that, again, is – that's what you paid him for. That's why you want – that's why you traded for him. That's why you brought him back. And uh, and he delivered. So, so good for him. And, um, you know, I'm just happy to see him – Hopefully this can be a cat a catalyst for him and catapult him you know forward and and really get back to to what he was for this team last season, which was just a massive, massive net positive. Um, so, yeah, and and you know, Nick's Nick's one hundred AGM over here, absolutely right. Josh Hart got that rebound, and we off to the races. Um, like, yeah, the the coast to coast takes he had today. Uh, I'm not quite sure why those haven't always been there this season. I don't know that it's always been about um, that he just hasn't he's been passive. I also just think teams are have been more aggressive about taking taking that away. But tonight he just he he was so physical and he was so fast, and he just he it felt like he did not give a shit tonight if if I go to the rim and I get stuffed, so be it, but I'm gonna go to the goddamn rim. Didn't get stuff. Um, had a couple of really nice finishes. Again, I just can't say enough with the force he played. Um, just just really good to see. Uh, quickly, kind of a slow start. Uh, but that second half, he he picked it up. And again, his defense was... I actually didn't think he, he, he was very good to start the game defensively in the first half. But that second half, he was totally locked in. I thought him and Hart, again, just made a huge difference. And then, you know, he, when you... <laughs> when the Knicks needed uh, all these points at the end of the game, just to like, you know, because they needed to ensure the point differential. It was kind of funny to just see Randall uh, spamming kickouts to, to quickly uh, for threes. But yeah, he, he ended up four of 10 from three. He got up 20 shots tonight, 23 points. Uh, so he continues to really fill it up off the bench here. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, this was like a really fun game, especially the way they closed it out. Um, and I you know, like I, I it looks like in all likelihood, unless the bucks have an epic collapse here and they are playing Miami, who uh, <laughs> who loves to just make the most bullshit comebacks of all time, they should close this out., uh, so that would set up a trip for the Knicks at Milwaukee. Um, but you know, I think the Knicks can win that, obviously. They can beat anybody on a given night. And, um, yeah, so it looks like it'll be Milwaukee. Milwaukee's up seven now with 14.8 seconds left. Um, But, yeah, I I think, you know, really good win for the Knicks, irregardless, forgetting the in-season tournament aspect of it, uh, just a really good win for this team, especially after that super annoying loss to Phoenix on Sunday. I thought it was important they got off to a, a good start. And, um, you know, did they did they play with super high intensity and take care of business the entire way through? No, they didn't. But I think starting off the game they did was encouraging. They were definitely locked in. The defense to start, again, all of them, even, you know, Julius. I've been super critical of him, as anybody who watched this on uh, Sunday would know. But he, he was locked in defensively. Thought Brunson was good. Again, did not force the action. Mitch was just on it from the beginning of the game they didn't give the the Hornets anything to start this game. Uh, they let them back in end of the second quarter as as, into the start of the third. I mean, that started the third, that's three games in a row now where they've just kind of come out of halftime flat, but I I don't know what that is. They've, they've got to get that figured out. Like you can't just keep coming out. Um, you can't just keep coming out at, at halftime. And, um, and have no juice, and um, yeah, he he's got to, or the team in general has to figure those starts of the third quarter out. Fortunately, again, uh, it didn't burn them. I did not love how long it took though to get Hart and Quick back in the game. Uh, I think they came in. So I'm looking it up right now. They came in together. Um, yeah, so they came in with 4:48 left in the third quarter. The Hornets had cut the lead by that point to four. Um, and, um, you know, from there, obviously the Knicks, <laughs> I mean, they, they outscored the, the Hornets by 20 over the last, whatever it was, uh, 17, about 17 minutes of the game. Uh, Jordan Bubb, 100%. Uh, Bucks versus Knicks for a spot in Vegas. Let's see them do that. Uh, Jeff, what's going on? How pumped are you for, the, uh, for us to advance in
1: the in-season tournament? couldn't be more pumped i mean i don't i don't i don't know how to hide my excitement this is this is everything we could have hoped for right <laughs> and more and more and more yeah <laughs> and more um i mean no this is this is i don't know i i unfortunately was driving home so i didn't get to hear your opening monologue but
0: don't no, no, i honestly i gotta say i i was like before i came on i saw uh Macri went live for their post game on KFS, and I know he does a lot of those by himself. I have no fucking idea how you do a post game by yourself. That shit sucked for like the last fifteen minutes. I felt like I was just reading off box scores and being like, "Yeah, dude, it was so cool that Josh Hart played well and that Randall played well and that yeah, he played well." And it was
1: like, "I'm like,
0: this sucks, dude. I hate having to do this by myself."
1: <laughs> yeah, the thing I've always been impressed about with him, and you know, I guess this is KFS pub, but he's really <laughs> he's really good at like capturing the essence of each game. And I think that's what you have to do is you have to find a way to like encapsulate the meaning of a single game over and over again. And like, to your point, that's really fucking hard to do. That's just, you're going to, it's, it's so easy to just be robotic and be like, okay, here's box score. Here's and just list the box score. I uh, don't, don't worry. You can't do worse than I did when I was on this by myself. Um, (laughs) I was like, I was like trying to like be cool and read all the comments And then I got to the end and I was like, guys, we made it. And then I realized I forgot to do the ad read at the end. And I just, (laughs) so, I mean, can't, can't be much worse
0: than I did. Hey, that's better than what I did on Sunday where I was like, fuck the ad read. We're not doing it today. (laughs) Um, But yeah, look, uh, I think the story for me, I mean, if you're talking about capturing the essence of the game, we'll talk about Randall. And I do think like he, he played well. I love the way he started the game tonight. I thought this tonight's game was about Josh Hart in so many ways. Like it felt like, I mean me and you actually DM'd about this earlier today and I was like I don't know like I read those quotes and I was like good for him like I don't know I have no problem with him saying what he said and I kind of think like I felt like you know he's a fucking loud dude and he's braggadocious and he's brash and he pounds his (laughs) chest and he's like you know Josh Starks right like he's wears the same number and he's like he is like the I don't know if if quickly is kind of like the uh the crown prince of the of the msg crowd at the moment josh hart is like the lifeblood of it he is like the he is the closest thing on this team and really most knicks teams since then to like what knicks fans that are nostalgic about those 90s teams like he captures that in so many ways um and i just did not have a problem with what he said like i understood it I don't think he was shitting on Tibbs. I don't think he was saying, I need to shoot the ball more or I need more shots. I think he's just talking about catching a rhythm and and really talking about adapting to a role. And, you know, maybe like just saying that sometimes, like, you know, what's that story about Jordan where he like made up that a guy talked shit about him (laughs) and then like came out and dropped like whatever it was, like 50 on the next game. They asked him about it later. And he's like, no, I was just trying to like, pump myself up or whatever it was right like you know i'm not obviously josh hart is not michael jordan and i don't know that he's a sociopath like that but but like i don't know i just felt like he needed to get that shit off his chest and it felt like he played free today in a way that hasn't been the case all season um and it was just good to see that because that is what made him so fucking impactful for the knicks last year it's like you know again like you know we talked about oh what quickly does can go beyond the box score when josh hart is good what he does well yes you love the rebounding and all that shit but like what he does adds something beyond the box score he plays with a heart and a hustle and an intensity that i think elevates the group um in ways that like are just different from other players in the team
1: yeah no a hundred percent um i don't think i can say it any better than that the there's a reason that the team was at its best when Josh Hart was on the court last season. Um he just uh he he gives you things without diminishing returns. He is one of the least redundant good players in the league, you know. He's just never going to get his in a way that like prevents the better players from getting theirs. Um <laughs> if you uh if you listen to uh the most recent episode of hot hand theory we've been, we've been kind of uh, pitching Uh, around tomorrow. I'm going to do that by tomorrow. (laughs) We've been, uh, we've been kind of pitching around this idea of a statistic that like tries to capture what percentage of a player's usage actually determines their impact. So like Julius, Julius's impact is like entirely captured by his usage, You know, like if, if Julius has a bunch of points, rebounds and assists, it, it's not like he, his goes beyond the box score or, or rarely it does. And I don't mean that as a shot at Julius. There's plenty of really good players. Like Luca would, you know, have a, a really high percentage of what Luca does is captured by his stats. Uh, LeBron, you know, or 2009 LeBron, you know, these guys. But then there are guys like Steph Curry who, you know, and and I feel like Josh Hart falls in that. Obviously nobody's Steph Curry, but you can look at a game where he has, you know, six points and eight rebounds and be like, Oh, we're playing this guy 70 million. But when he's at his best, it almost doesn't matter what it says in the box score because the energy and just the stuff he does that doesn't show up. There's a reason that when he's on the court, good thing, good team things happen. Um, obviously quickly falls in that category, but so, so when quickly and Hart and T Vincenzo are all together and they're all these guys, it's, It's not surprising that this lineup is just starting to really, really flourish. Um, And I I haven't even mentioned the fourth guy in in that bench unit. And I know it wasn't the best game for him, but I kind of want to just, I feel the need to highlight how much growth RJ Barrett has shown defensively. And I think this game actually showed not an overall quality. The quality was really high, But he also showcased the different ways he's grown. I saw multiple stunts where he he was off the ball and he and he helped stop an advantage. just just improvising a stunt. I saw great on ball defense. I saw rim protection like this is, uh, you know, maybe not maybe that obviously he wasn't going to shoot 50 percent from three all season long. And there are ways for him to go offensively i thought he missed a number of kickouts i thought he had one fast break where he missed grimes on the wing that was just brutal um you never want to see a guy go 3 for 13 although him going 9 of 9 from the free throw line encouraging but i do well, believe i, I just that- I,
0: I mentioned that in my very boring monologue um that like it's like there's no world in last year previous years if he goes 3 of 13 that he has 16 points like no right. shot. Like even if he gets to the line 9 times, hell, even if he got to the line 11 times, I'd be like, yeah, he's probably going to miss like four. Like it just feels yeah. like one of those nights. Uh but yeah, I mean, look, the and and the best part about the free throw line thing again is that this is over 20% of the season now. If this is like pretty if this is real, you know, if he's an 80 plus percent plus guy, obviously that gives him a more solid base as an efficient scorer, but it also makes me, gives me a lot more optimism that like, yeah, the three point shooting, like I, I know, like, again, he's in a little, a little bit of a slump here right now from three, which makes sense considering he started off, whatever it was like 47% from three. Um, but like, gives me hope that he's going to end up being like, maybe not just average this year, but like an above average three point shooter.
1: Yeah. Like th- what, what do you think? Like in the, you, you mean like in like the 36 to 40 range. Yeah. Like if he, like 38 seems like doable for sure. I agree. Um, and to go along with your point about you know n- no way you know a couple of years ago does RJ uh, scored um, would you say he scored sixteen points? Yeah, sixteen points yes. uh, going three of thirteen. I would uh, I would add to that that no way you know any of the last couple seasons does RJ go three of thirteen and you're thinking man I really thought he helped out there you know like I, I and I think that goes back to the defense because I thought. I just thought he had a really, really good defensive uh, game, and I'm, I'm excited to rewatch the game to see if you know when I really hone in on that, see if there were any lapses that I missed. Um, and I'm sure you covered this, but I really thought that Julius, uh, arguably the biggest stretch of the game was when the Hornets cut it to one, and Julius got back-to-back steals. Um, that really killed the Hornets' momentum, which was which was super nice. Uh, this is
0: from H twenty two agree rj defense has been
1: so good man it's
0: just the finishing that's annoying me this season yeah and and i think even with the finishing like again the biggest thing i i have felt since he's come back is it feels like there's been a little bit of regression in terms of decision making on drives uh in terms of finishing versus kicking out he did have a really good pass today uh off of like quickly swung at him over in the corner and then he threw a dime cross court to Hart. Hart threw to divincenzo in the corner and instead of shooting he drove and then ended up taking some weird ass floater thing <laughs> but it was a really really nice pass from rj and it's like again it, it, the thing that's always frustrating with rj is like the ability to pass is not the question it's just the willingness and the decision making in doing so but yeah just like really like if this is a bad rj game then like we're doing just fine and dandy um yep. <laughs> i gotta read this comment 600 AGM. If I could offer picture background a little more fancy, people will come listen. Uh, I will, I will do my best. I will do my best to elevate my game. Uh, <laughs> I'll do. Hey, you know what? I'll do that if you stop typing in all caps one time, just one time. I'll I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, look. Um, this is from Walt Clyde Fraser. Mitch looked especially light on his feet on yeah. both sides. Yams and blocks like year one and two Mitch, but under control. Great reminder of the huge gap between Mitch and decent centers like Mark Williams. Look, I I mean, I agree with the point 100%. I just thought Mark Williams had a really good game today, all things considered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mitch, Mitch is, look, he's playing at a high level. And to the <clears> point <throat> being made here, like, I thought a couple of those blocks on Mark Williams, I was like, that looks an awful lot like a foul. So it felt like this was a game where he was getting a... Uh, Oh no, you're better than this guy. Whistle,
1: and um, the, the Knicks got an incredibly friendly whistle tonight. And, and like, honestly, it, it one of the reasons I'm not super sympathetic to me. Although, like, you know, I think you and I will agree. Like, the weight of whistles the Knicks get, you know, as people who love Emmanuel quickly, can be frustrating because he doesn't seem to get a very good whistle. Yeah, tonight um, he got a bad one too. It was very obvious. yeah, but like, it was made up for by the rest of the team getting a very very good whistle. <laughs> um, but anyways, um. I don't have a ton of sympathy overall for like Knicks got a bad whistle because like we're just this is going to be the second straight season that the Knicks are in the top five or 10 and free throws attempted and bottom five or 10 and free throws allowed like at a certain point. It's like, yeah, the Knicks just get kind of a friendly whistle. And, you know, obviously there will be individual cases where it's like, how fucked you miss that? Like when RJ was fouled by. Scotty Barnes at the buzzer last year or whatever. And of course I'm going to be sympathetic to that, but overall I do think the Knicks get a pretty friendly whistle. Um, Just, I mean, just, I'm just throwing this out there. I, of course, I'm not, I'm not saying this means, you know, anything, but EPM actually has Mark Williams as uh, more impactful than Mitch through, you know, 15 or whatever games this season. I don't think he's better than Mitch, obviously. And I agree with the sentiment here, but uh, I just want to fudge it a little bit and say, I think, I think Mark Williams is, probably better than most people think I, I think he's already really good
0: yeah I mean I am I've been a huge Mark Williams guy I loved him in that draft um
1: I still I mean look
0: I, I think that if you want to tell me Jalen Duren has more skills than him I'll agree with that as we know more skills does not mean better yeah. uh like like I think Mark Williams profiles as maybe, maybe the, the ceiling isn't there um but like it, you know, in terms of like, he's not going to be some offensive hub that you run shit through. But like, I, I think the ceiling for him is just so straightforward. And I'd, I'd just be really surprised if he doesn't get there. You know, he's still filling out. I think he's 22 now. Um, big guys always take a little bit of time, but like, yeah, th- that guy is, you know, he he's, he's going to be a, a damn good center. And uh, if he was on a better team, I think his one, his EPM probably wouldn't be as high. Uh, and then two, I think that I do think that how good he already is would be talked about more because I do think that he is really, really impactful for them. And you can visibly see the difference when he's on the floor versus off the floor. Um, Like I I do, I think the Knicks played a little bit into the Hornets hands weirdly by slowing the game down as much as they did. It felt like Tibbs went into this weird playoff mode thing where they got up, you know, 15 or whatever it was. And then he's like, okay, we're going to like grind this out now the rest of the way. And, like, you, you saw with the bench, like, the first quarter when they came in, they were just, like, walking the ball up. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is not, <laughs> this is not like, what they are good at. And, uh, and then you saw that at the start of the third quarter. Um, like, they were just playing in molasses. And you're like, what the hell are you doing? You're letting the Hornets set up this stupid-ass zone they're playing. And then you're like... You're not doing a good job of executing against it. They did miss a couple open threes, though, too, to be fair, but like it just felt they were playing very much into their hands. Um, and so, like, I, it, you look, it was good that he brought in a heart and quick when he did, because once those guys came in, they were just like, as soon as they got rebounds, it was like, all right, we're, we're going, like, we are going, we're taking off here. Um, and again, that, that more so than quickly, that is because of Josh Hart. He did bring that to the table. He, brought everyone with him you know what i mean like he made them go and uh that that totally changed the game that ended the game uh as a competitive contest and uh it entered its more uh fun you know fun uh what how many points do we need to win by
1: phase uh yeah
0: I, you you must not have caught the uh, msg broadcast right because you had to watch this while you are out
1: Yeah, I was watching on mute, although um, so the TV that I watch on, I haven't. They're so nice to me at this restaurant. Like they basically have like this booth that I always sit in with this one TV that I always watch the Knicks on when I can't watch the Knicks at home. They always know like what channel to change it to. But the only problem is that, uh, well, I don't care about the sound, but because there's no sound, there's captions on. So like I got I got Eric Collins on mute and like they spent they 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 spent the whole game first of all they spent the whole game talking about uh like how good quickly is like they they literally were just like he should have won six man of the year last year this guy's awesome um and then they hated the whistle they were like this is bullshit <laughs> only only five free throws they were so angry about the whistle the whole game but no uh, to answer your question i did not get the msg yeah
0: so like breen was just going like crazy towards the end of the game like when randall was at the line he's like these are huge free throws i was like Dude, I, <laughs> It's like I, I I think they're not that big actually. Um, I gotta say, uh, you know, our guy uh, Nick's one hundred AGM here, who is just owning the rest of the chat. By the way, owning everybody. Um, but you know, he he mentioned this. They were missing a, a ball to set shit up. While Rozier handled point. Yeah,
1: Rozier is just he's awful. He he he's awful. And this is this is where I actually had a, a Hornets fan in my mentions. Uh, today a a good Hornets fan like just talking like just sort of like giving me painting a picture for what and it's wild how similar to like 2022 Knicks Uh, obviously they're further behind but just in the sense of like all Hornets fans are like please just please just give LaMelo and Brandon Miller and Mark Williams all the minutes and then instead it's like Oh, we got to run through Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, Rozier and Hayward isn't good enough to win now. So why are we not taking more lumps with Brandon Miller? Um, I thought Brandon Miller was impressive again today. I don't, I don't know what you thought yeah. about him. No, I was, I
0: was just going to say, I thought, I thought like, I thought he played really well. I know he ended up only going uh, seven of 18, but like, I liked the way he played. I thought his three point shot, he only, he ended up going four of eight. He's got to definitely work on, uh, strength and all that stuff work scoring inside the arc because dude quickly absolutely stonewalled him multiple times in the second half like and like you know quickly is a really good defender but you would obviously in time expect a player at miller's size to be comfortable uh operating in the mid-range against a guy like that i think that'll come in time but yeah i like the way he played i think i think defensively he's actually shown quite a bit like i don't think he's a bum out there i think he knows what he's doing i think he competes that's a big thing um, like him and Mark Williams and LaMelo. Like this is not a bad foundation, but the pieces around them are so just yeah. bad. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care if Miles Bridges is good at basketball. That guy is an embarrassment. It's embarrassing. That he's on the floor. Also got to say, like, just, just absolutely awesome. I don't know you probably didn't, you couldn't hear this. Really awesome to hear the MSG crowd booing him constantly throughout the game uh, after made buckets and everything. Awesome to see that. Fuck that guy. Um, I hope he gets booed in every arena he goes to. But like, I mean, forgetting again, again, if he's good at basketball or not, what? There's no way this guy, like really, this guy is what you want in the fucking locker room with these guys. Terry Rogier, look, he's not a point guard. I actually feel a little bit bad for him because he's completely being misprofiled right now um but like why did you extend him move him get get him off your team this is like there's no purpose to him taking usage on this team if you want a good vet go trade for alec burks okay really like i'm not I'm, I'm not even joking like go trade for alec burks he knows exactly how to like the balance between doing his cook Burke stuff and just playing off of like others creation
1: um like he, and he's a, he's a pro. He's a real pro. He's not, he is a pro. pro. I, I'm, I'm dude that. That 2022 year, there was, he was not finding the balance. Great. That was, that was tips. That was tips. Tips being like, you're the point guard. Like the dude, that guy hasn't been a point guard yeah. since, he was like 17 or something like what do we do oh okay no this this is my mistake I thought you were saying like with LaMelo if you want a veteran to be point guard or excuse me with LaMelo out if you want a veteran to be point guard no my, my mistake
0: no and I'm just talking about from like a locker room perspective like I'm sorry I don't think Terry Rozier wants to be in Charlotte like he's like to me it's like dude this guy was on like playoff teams like he made an eastern conference finals run right Like as a starting point yeah. guard at one point in his career like i am very very skeptical that this guy wants to be in charlotte anymore he took the money because it's like okay you're gonna give me a hundred million dollars great yeah i'll take it um but like they they need to move him to a team that just needs some scoring punch or something because th- it is depressing watching that gordon hayward like it's he's an expiring contract right just fucking wave him or just cut him i don't care like just get rid of him. He makes no sense in this team. Again, not his fault, but what is the point of him getting usage on this team? There's no purpose to it. Uh, I I just, and I don't understand the profile of players they've taken at all. Like, I don't know, Nick Smith Jr., he played like five seconds, but both times he's come in against the Knicks that I've seen him, he just comes in and is just immediately chucking up shots indiscriminately. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I just don't understand this team. I, Mitch Kupchak was once upon a time a good GM uh he has ceased to be a good gm and it is time they got somebody new there you would hope that with new ownership um that that will happen in time but like they have just wasted Lamelo balls they wasted his entire rookie contract they achieved nothing during his rookie contract
1: um yeah no you're uh we 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 talked about the same thing today like um or yesterday um on hot hand on hot hand um the, the Hornets are just, it's exactly like you described. It's LaMelo, it's Brandon Miller, it's Mark Williams. And then that's it. That's, that's where they're at. Um, I think I'm- uh, Which is like fine, a, by the way. If you're a rebuilding team and you yeah. have three
0: pieces that you're like some level of like foundational cornerstone, however you want to describe it, that's not yeah. awful. They have all their picks moving forward because they suck. And that first round pick they traded out is never going to convey. Um, like just get them in Detroit. It's like, what? can you guys just like figure out the three or four guys you want to prioritize and then everything from there should just be about how do we accentuate and you know, how do we optimize their strengths and how do we mitigate their weaknesses and what are the pieces and the profile of players that achieve that? And those two teams are doing absolutely nothing to support their best young, young players.
1: You you know who would have been a great shooting yard for them in between Lamelo and Brandon Miller, somebody like Quentin Grimes, like and yeah. I'm actually being serious, somebody who works his ass off and can shoot and doesn't need the ball in his hands. I know, I know Grimes is going through it right now. Uh, but two threes tonight, baby. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I thought. I mean, look, he, he's more. Did, dude, that one possession, the one possession in early in the third quarter. When we got like a million offensive rebounds, <laughs> when when exactly Mitch did it. Know. The one that Grimes didn't shoot at the top of the key was one of the most baffling things I've ever seen. He was like, Oh <laughs> shit, I just I just missed one. I can't shoot another one. especially especially because it's like there was like
0: only one bad decision he could make in that situation, and he made it because it was yeah. like either shoot the open three you have, swing it to Brunson next to you, who is also open for three, drive, draw the defense, and spray it to like RJ, I think was in the corner for a three or let me try to do like some weird jump step and then put it like i lay it up around mark williams i was just like you picked the the one bad one good job
1: (laughs) so weird all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you something because i saw i saw benji mention on twitter Uh, i'm gonna give a shout out to my dad because my dad uh, was a big Knicks fan, you know, from the seventies through the nineties. And then, you know, like most people, that generation, when Jordan retired, it was like uh, whatever boomers, speak, you know, whatever boomers speak you want to college guys try harder. There's no defense in the NBA. You know, he fell into that hole for a little bit, but uh, ever since I've gone back to the Knicks, he's, he's hopped aboard and he loves the NBA again. Um, So we're watching the game tonight. I couldn't believe it because Benji tweeted it out like 10 to 15 minutes later. My dad was like, what do you think of this? he was like, so I, my theory about the Knicks is that Jalen is the guy that you can trust over any other starter to no matter how he's playing early on to get it going and to figure it out and to stay in it mentally. So like if Jalen starts cold or he doesn't start with a lot of touches, he'll just figure it out because that's just how, who he is and how he is. And he was just like, I think the Knicks are at their best when they make a concerted effort to run the offense in the first quarter through Randall and through RJ and make sure those two feel involved from the get-go and that Jalen, Jalen should, he was basically theorizing that Jalen should actively take a backseat in the first quarter to make sure that RJ and Randall get their feet wet early in games as often as possible. Do you think there's validity to that? Or do you think it's just like random variants and maybe not true?
0: Um, I don't, I don't know if I would say I disagree with it. I also just think like, it's not that easy in the sense of like, um, look, coming into tonight's game, I posted this number yesterday. Randall was at like, he was leading the team in usage in the first quarter and he's, you know, it's garbage. It's like 44 true shooting or some bullshit. Like that's just an awful number. It's in theory, the right, I agree with that. Like, yes, get those guys going, and, yeah, like, you know, Brunson's always going to figure it out at some point or find his spots, and that's what it is. But, like, if those guys don't have it going, then it's kind of like a difficult position. So, uh, to me, it's just, like, the opponent. I I also think, like, this is a credit to him and quickly. Um, The way Charlotte defended the Knicks tonight, it was very obvious that they were, like, the key to slowing down them, slowing them down offensively is to make their point guards, give the ball up without getting much dribble penetration. Like their bigs were trapping. They were, you know, showing up super high. They were like, these guys, their guards were fighting over every screen. They were not just going under, they were not switching. It was constant. Like, like we're not giving you an inch. Right. Um, and so this like, I think tonight kind of because of the way they were defending him, it played into like, what your dad and what Benji you're talking about. Uh, I just don't know that that will be the case against every team. And also, like, quite honestly, I know that Randall, like he had a lull in the middle of the game and I still feel like, you know, it's tough because I don't think it excuses all the stuff we see it still feels to me like he can't get a full game of awesome Randall stuff yet. Like that hasn't happened quite yet for him. Um, You you don't think
1: the game we just
0: watched was that? No, I thought in the middle of the game, he like just couldn't get a shot going and he wasn't getting to the cup all the way. And it was, you know, whatever. But like, um, I, I don't know that I think that's probably tied to his ankle a little bit. And um, you know, uh, that being said though, like the way he closed, it was good. I liked the, both the steals he got at kind of like key points in that third quarter. Uh, that felt like, you know, actual kind of understanding the moment in a game and going out and making a play for your team type of stuff, which isn't always what you get from him. So um, yeah, it was it, like I, I to, to bring it back to what you're talking about with Jalen. Like, I think because Because of how they defended him, it was easy to kind of, like, let Randall get the game going, like, find himself throughout the game and and get himself going. Um, But there will be games where, like, I don't care how they're defending you. Just we need you to just figure out a way to, like, (laughs) to get yourself going regardless. Um, Which, like, look, we know he can do that. We saw it in the the playoffs last year. We've seen it various points in his time in New York. Like he he will find a way he'll always figure it out, Um, but yeah like I, I thought I thought he played a very patient game tonight.
1: Aside from like this that, is this is Brun, this is Brunson now.
0: Yeah, Brunson. Yeah, okay. Um, and I I thought he largely took what the defense was giving him, even as a passer, which was good to see. Like he passed more to Mitch tonight than I feel like I've ever seen him pass to Mitch
1: before. The one, the one look off to the corner to find Mitch cutting uh, it was in the first half cause they were going right. And Brunson was like above the break on the right side and Mitch dove down the middle of the paint. And he always makes that pass to the weak side corner. That's a, that's a skip pass he loves making. And he looked at the weak side corner and got and held the, the weak side low man at bay, make sure he didn't fully stunt on Mitch. And then you threw the pass to Mitch cutting and, and Mitch. That was, I think that was when Mitch, Missed the layup and then got the putback dunk. If you remember that, that was that was a beautiful pass from Brunson. Um, yes, I agree.
0: Um, I think this is a interesting point here uh, brought up by Brent. Off topic is the next step of IQ offensively for him to make a habit of doing a Nash dribble and his initial drives are unsuccessful. I've noticed it a lot this year of him getting stuck in the um paint looking for passes. Yeah, I think uh I- I've actually been contemplating like posting about this or whatever. I'm just like not really interested about tweeting about quickly just cuz like I I think my thoughts on him are pretty obvious. Um but like yeah, I think he there's two things, one, Nashmore, two, I don't mind him picking up his dribble there. He's got to have a second count like Having that counter to do like the fadeaway MIDI is good. Teams now know that's his counter. So like he has an opportunity to pump, spin back. It's good to see him take those lefty lays tonight that he did. Um, like there he needs to develop a counter to his counter now, basically is what I'm saying. But yes, I think gnashing more, keeping his dribble alive, those are all fair game. And um, look, this is something that I think Mill or Miami very much kind of scouted him for in that series, both them and Cleveland, to be fair. Um, so like, this is definitely an area for him to continue to grow. Um, just general like playmaking going to his left, I think is, a, is probably the, the broad um, brush I would paint that under. I think he has a habit of picking up his dribble when he goes left. If he goes right, that doesn't
1: usually happen. Um, so yeah, that's part of it. He he also just needs to get better at winning off the dribble. He, he doesn't do a good enough job in isolation of firmly beating the defender in front of him and getting that defender on his back. If you, if you notice the, the times quickly is able to get in pick and roll or in isolation when he's able to put the defender on his back, that's when he's most successful at manipulating the big waiting for him he he's just not good. Even when the guy stays on his uh, or he's not good enough when the guy stays on his side or when he's in front of him. And it puts a lot of pressure on his three point shot, because obviously when he's not creating openings from 15 feet and in, when he's not getting to the basket, well, all he's got left is three point shooting. Um, And so his game becomes much more volatile than you want it to be. I think you saw that a number of times tonight where he was trying to create stuff And he just couldn't get by whoever was in front of him, whether that was Brandon Miller, whether that was um, Bryce McGowan's, you know, just any of these guys. He's just uh, early in the season. He showcased an increase or excuse me, an improved ball uh, handle. And he had a couple of quick dribble moves that created space for him and allowed him to get into the paint easier. I'd like to see those more. I just I'd like to see him. Getting two feet into the paint and forcing collapses more often, um and I think we'll get there. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that improvement from him. I just think he's still young, still learning, and he's very much not a natural rim attacker. Like this is this is so far above and beyond what we thought we would get from him when we drafted. Like remember what the profile on this guy was as a rookie. So there is reason to be patient with him in this regard because we weren't supposed to get anything inside the paint from him. So this is kind of just, you know, cherry on top of the cake.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, one thing with, with what you're talking about, I would just generally like to see him. Um, I I think sometimes he overcomplicates it in his own head where I'm like, he's like, "Uh, what, like I, I have this ISO, like, and like you, there was one possession today. You could see it with, I don't remember who it was, maybe Brandon Miller or whoever it was. Um, and he was like, I think it was like when Brunson checked back in and Brunson did something and didn't get anything an advantage. So then he swung it to quick and then quick tried to like do his thing and he didn't get an advantage. It was just a weird possession, but like, you could see it in there where like, he's like, kind of gets a half step, but then he like brings it back and he's like, well, let me go left. And he's like, ah, not there. Let me, and it's like, you just have to have a more clear plan of what he wants to do. Um, and I do think, developing like i think honestly having a little bit more of a like, thinking about like maybe a step back in the mid-range would maybe be something to look at for him um that's something that brunson does really well like he there was a point today where like we needed a bucket it was felt it just felt like one of those possessions where we needed a bucket and brunson was just like he got hayward on the switch dribble dribble dribble, dribble step back 17 footer bang like just knowing exactly exactly like as good as the floater and and his mid range has developed to what it is. He doesn't have a shot that he can just get to in the mid range whenever he wants. Like Brunson can get that mid range pull up whenever he wants, like against any defender in the world. Um, It's maybe that if, if, if quickly can't get to that level, I I think that's forgivable, but like to be that level of, you know, if we're going to talk about this guy, like, you know, and he's talked about it, he wants to be a starting point guard and, you know, obviously, yeah, could he start for some teams? For sure. But I, what he's talking about is like being a top-end starting point guard or something, right, in that in that conversation. To be in that conversation, I think you have to have something in that mid-range that you can just get to whenever you want. Um, or you just got to be like, I mean, this could be the other thing for him is where if he's just like, fuck it, like I am just going to be willing to take eight, nine, ten threes a game and let the chips fall where they may. Um, I don't know that he'll ever have that latitude with with Tibbs as his coach um but like there will be there would be coaches that probably would encourage him to just shoot way more from three so maybe that's a pivot for him anyway um yeah look i nick's agm i'm not gonna read your quickly comments dude you're we're never gonna agree on this i really don't understand how you watch this team consistently and your takeaways quickly is selfish um that's honestly kind of insane to me um moving on uh (laughs) <laughs> this is a pretty good quote. If they tell us what to play this team five times with them five times and be ready. If they say it's eight times, it's eight times. Tom Thibodeau on the Knicks having to face the Bucks five times. I mean, I like that quote. I think that pretty much sums up Tom Thibodeau's uh mentality as a coach. But yeah, I mean, I think that is correct. Like there's nothing you can do about it. I would have rather advanced than not advanced, because I think it is fun to like be in this tournament. And I do think it's like a good good um
1: good thing. So yeah. Um. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny that this question uh, ended up getting asked because I was thinking earlier if it came if the Knicks. This is just the nerd game theory. Uh, yeah, nerd. I don't have a better word. Nerd in me, but if the Knicks got word somehow that it was going to come down to point differential, like oh, we're all going to be three and one. The Bucks are going to win. So you know wh- whether they advance or not will will come down a point differential. I-, I was wondering if it would have been in the Knicks' best interest to just let the Hornets you know score and gain you know lose by eight or win by eight or something, um, because obviously the Knicks would rather have their additional regular season game be against a team that's not in the play in the play-in knockout round than is in the knockout round. But of course, I mean. That's that's a great quote from Tibbs. He's a, he always has a great attitude about this stuff. He always seems prepared for whatever challenge is put in front of him. Um, and as we saw in the one game we lost in this play-in group stage, the Knicks can hang with the Bucks. Like they outplayed the Bucks in Milwaukee. They were winning that game by. Did the Brunson three put them up one or two? Uh, sorry, which game was this? In Milwaukee, the one, oh yeah, the put, one it we, put them up two. So they're after trailing the whole game, they're up two with you know a minute, a minute and a half left, and that's despite Milwaukee hitting everything and the Knicks hitting nothing. Um, Those Giannis threes are the most bullshit threes in the history of basketball. Giannis goes three, <laughs> three from three. They had uh, they, they had Marjan Beauchamp nailing every three. It was just, it was just silly. Um, <clears throat> um.
0: Here's, this is from uh, Brent again. Uh, I feel like our guys overthought a lot when Charlotte went on their run. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that was the case. I just think they, they have a habit. Like they tend to slow themselves down and play in the half court. And then, you know, when you play that slow, you're allowing a team to set their defense up. You're not going to create quick advantages. It's a lot harder to do that against a set defense. And so, that's um, that's what happened, and I and again like, you allow them to set up a zone. You're not making threes in that stretch, so it just all looks bad, and um. Yeah, that it's that's what it is. So I, I don't know. I I don't know if I I would say overthought. Um, this is, um, J.K. I don't know if overthought is quite right. It looked like our normal offense. Thought they got some bad shot luck. I agree with a little bit with that defense signed off in the second or third though yes i agree like the defense definitely fell off a little bit end of the second into the into the middle of the third anyway <clears throat> until Hart and quickly came in um this is from brent i really like agreeing with tibbs but i understand his awareness of of the bench i feel like they've been clunky offensively rj hart minutes need to go uh yeah i mean i don't know if i
1: agree. the, with that. the bench the bench units net rating is like 17 per 100 after tonight or something it's
0: it, it's I, mean, I know i know what we'll he's right specifically
1: now. talking about I, he's talking
0: like i think offensively yes when they when they have to play in the half court that bench unit it can get a little clunky i agree with that mm-hmm. um i think it defense, did tonight in the first half like yeah. they, they definitely stalled in the first yeah. half and, and this is but this is my this is what i was talking about like it just felt like we got up what was it like hey it was 15 in the first quarter at one point and that bench came in and they're just walking the ball up. And I'm like, why is this happening? Why is DiVincenzo walking the ball up? And then he's like doing the stupid pointless pass to quickly. And then he does a stupid pointless dribble handoff with Hartenstein. And then they have to wait like five seconds for Hartenstein to finally be able to get the ball back to RJ or to quickly. And it's just like, now you're up against the clock and you didn't shift the defense at all in any way that mattered. I didn't get that. And I think that's where they struggle when they push the pace when they get stops and they can get out, in transition, that's better. Look, and, and this has to be said. Part of this is also like they need DiVincenzo to catch a consistent rhythm because right now it's like he'll have a good game and then he'll have two bad ones, and he'll have two good ones, then have a bad one, and then he'll play like shit, and then he'll play really well for like he's got to just get into a consistent rhythm. And part of sticking with that group, I think, is about like getting these guys into a rhythm. I think that's I think that is why Tibbs teams start slow and when they have good years they really pick it up in that middle to the end third of the season um because guys just get so used to what they're supposed to what they are going to be doing night to night they know what they're going to be doing they know what their rotation is they knew they know what's expected of them in various lineups um and so like i think for now it's fine honestly if there's anything i any issue i have with that group is that like I think that I, I would like to see Grimes actually come out of the game earlier so that he can play a bit more with them. Um, I think Grimes need, I think he'd benefit a lot from playing with Quickmore and RJ and, and Hart, like getting out in transition running more. Um, I think that could benefit him a lot. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, and I don't know that I, I don't know if I would say Tibbs has been super wary of it. I just think people get the sense that he is because that, That rotation is so weird where it's like, you know, RJ's first out, but then he comes back in usually with either a minute left in the first or right at the start of the second quarter. Um, And then, and then it's like he comes back out around seven minutes and then Brunson Mm -hmm. comes in. And so it feels like he's being short leashed with them, but it's just him managing the group so that RJ can come back in with like three or four minutes left and get, the minutes that he
1: wants RJ to have over the course of a game. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I gotta be honest. I kind of disagree with that. And I think I agree more with Brent's sentiment. I still get the feeling that he just hates any minutes that Brunson's not on the court. He doesn't view quickly. He doesn't view quickly as a point guard. He views him as an energy bench guy and he's just doing his bet. He he's managing the, the non Brunson minutes, but he's dying to get Brunson back in the game to, to run the offense.
0: Yeah, but I don't think that's about him not viewing quickly as a point guard. I think he just wants Brunson out there. Like he just wants Maybe. Brunson out there. Like that's what. Yeah, it doesn't. Is. It doesn't like,
1: have to be. It doesn't have to be a negative on. Uh, on quickly, I I just think that Tibbs has given us. I mean, how many more? How many more things do we need for Tibbs to prove us that like whatever we think of quickly, he doesn't see him that way
0: i mean i just don't really agree with it like i just don't think that's his issue with quickly i don't even think he has an issue with quickly i just think he's weird about giving him certain minutes but like like yeah, there were. i mean he, I... Could have, he could have easily not closed it quickly tonight because he didn't really like go off until that final bit of the game um mm-hmm. like he, he could have just been like oh no this is a good chance for me to get rj back in rj barely what did he even have tonight like 25 minutes or something um like he didn't play that much tonight um
1: but like, I think 20, he played 28 minutes and quickly played 26. Yeah.
0: Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I don't, it wouldn't have surprised me. And honestly when he pulled quickly in the first half, I don't really have a problem with it. Cause I just thought like quickly mm-hmm. he was okay, but he wasn't, I didn't particularly care for his defense in the first half. And I felt like he was getting annoyed. Like he was too focused on like, oh, my whistle is not good. And trying yeah. to like get a good whistle instead of just being like, okay, just play though, just do that. Um, so I, I, I didn't have a problem with him pulling in when he did. And, and like, there's a lot of occasions where his, like, oh, he's playing Hart more annoys me. Hart was really good tonight, so I didn't have a problem with it. Like, I, if that's and that's how it should be. I mean, the thing with, I don't think what I know what you're talking about to me, it's not about quickly, it's about at the end of the day, he is a coach who believes size. To some extent, matching up on the wing matters, and so like push comes to shove, to him Brunson is better, which is perfectly normal to believe, um, and therefore it's like okay, but I still need my size in the wing. So quickly is the guy that get gets his minutes cut in that in that because of that. Um, if quickly was magically like six five, he'd probably be a totally different. He'd probably be viewed so if the same exact yeah. result, same exact player. Tibbs would probably play him like forty minutes a night or something. But um, that's not what it is. So anyway, I, I don't want to turn this into, like, what does Tom Thibodeau think about quickly? Uh, I, going back to the bench thing, I just think that, like, that that unit is still – I still think that RJ not not being – him not being perfectly, like, comfortable pulling up ever off the dribble from three – is is somewhat problematic for that group. Because if you have two creators, RJ right now is still very much like, in terms of off-the-dribble scoring, he's very much a one-level scorer. Like He's not a mid-range, he does not have a mid-range game, really. um, And his pull-up three-point shooting is not a thing. That's just not a thing. So when they get into half-court settings, that's why I think it can get really clunky because they don't have multiple guys that can pull up and, and shoot and shoot off the dribble. Like Divincenzo will shoot in tight spaces, but he doesn't shoot really off the dribble. Josh Hart will only shoot off the dribble in the weirdest scenarios ever. <laughs> um, but like, it's not something that you want him doing. Hardenstein, please never. And obviously <laughs> an RJ, like, like I just mentioned, like he just doesn't do it. So I think that's why it can look clunky, but that group has been good. And if anything, I mean, again, I, I talked about this earlier today, but like, I mean, maybe it'll look different tonight, but like, if you look at, if you look at this team's on off stuff and work through different combinations, basically like the main things you're looking like, the way it's split up with these shot creators is like when Brunson and when Brunson is on, they're always good. They're good with any of those guys with quick with RJ, with Randall. It doesn't matter when Randall is on with anybody, but Brunson, it has not been good this year. Like, When Randall is with quickly as the point guard or Randall is with RJ and quickly, those groups have not been good. But interestingly enough, the quickly RJ one without Brunson or Randall has been really good. Have they been great offensively? No, they've been solid, but their defense has been good. And that defense, that group's defense has consistently been good. And it was good again tonight, even though I didn't think like, again, I didn't think they were really totally locked into the first half that second half run. They made, they, they totally blitzed, they blitzed Charlotte off the floor. Um, so
1: yeah. Sorry, it was mute. Um, yeah, I just think, I just think you should trust that lineup more. Honestly, I think to me, that's what it comes down to. Cause I mean, yes. you look at the, you, you look at the data and you know, I, so first of all, I want to say my initial bias was to fully agree with Brent because like you watched that lineup in the first half tonight and it really felt like things just ground to a halt. Like it was like they they got to 29 points with like four minutes left or whatever. And then it just felt like they didn't extend the lead or do it wasn't even like they were trading buckets. It was like, they just did nothing. Um, and so I had that, you know, stretch in my head and I was like, you know, it has seemed a little clunky recently, but then you look at the data and it's like, okay, this great starting lineup that Tibbs fully trusts 113.1 offensive rating, 106.1 defensive rating, this clunky bench lineup that, you know, can't get anything going. offensive rating and 101 point uh, or 101 defensive rating. So it's outscoring opponents by almost twice as many as the points as the starting lineup is. And it's scoring more points per hundred possessions. I know that's not perfect. I know that the starting lineup plays a lot more minutes against full starting opposing starting lineups. I'm not saying the bench lineup is better than the starting lineup. That's not my implication at all. But all I'm saying is the results on the court have been fine. When these guys have been out there and I think there's a little bit of like a, a mind's bias going on. You can just, you can feel Tibbs', Tibbs a- anxiety. You can f- just anytime the opponents put together a four, six point run, you know he's calling timeout and getting some one of the starters back. And he's just waiting for that to happen. Um, and I think he's just one of those people that just guards against worst case scenarios. And to him, the worst case scenario is losing a game because he didn't have one of who he considers his best players on the court
0: <clears throat> um, yeah I mean i I think that he's definitely conservative like he view he's he does he prefers to control risks not take risks is probably the best way to put it um,
1: i did, did you see the uh the Nicks Twitter animated picture that somebody made like earlier today? Like that, like an right. hour ago, you I, didn't. I, no. All right. Well, as you're reading this next comment, when you get a chance, check your DMs. It's pretty awesome. Uh um, You're 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 like on it. So I, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Oh, uh, yeah. I look. I
0: <laughs> Josh Hart tweeted out a picture of a watch because he was talking about how he can buy a watch if he uh if we win the tournament and he gets 500k, he can buy a new watch. So that's funny. Um. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I'm just not gonna respond to any of this. If you want to get rid of quickly because you think Deuce McBride is ready who can't dribble, I don't know what to tell you, man. Um if you are right, here, sorry. Just, uh, this is a, this from Walt Clyde Fraser. Should Hartenstein be used more as a hub with the second unit? <sighs> I gotta say I've not I- I've not really been like I've been I wanted to see more of him as a hub I just have not really enjoyed him having the ball much this year like even at the top of the key I just feel like he's constantly refusing to make quick decisions he like like he never will get the ball and do the first dribble hand like it's always like he gets the ball and then Hart will come around and he like rejects Hart and then quickly has to come around and they'll give it a quickly or like he'll reject quickly and go back to heart. And it's just like, I don't need to waste five seconds for this. Like, and I and I don't I don't know. May like maybe if you want to say that they're not doing enough to like cut off of him, maybe like I, I would be interested to see if they would do something like what the Warriors do and run some more split cut stuff with him in the post. Like maybe that'd be interesting. But like I'm not. Totally dying to see more of Isaiah Hardenstein as a hub. I guess like I, I'd be more interested to see Josh Hart actually in like that position. I think he'd be. I'd be more interested. I'll, I'll be. I'll. Here, this is what I would like to see. I would like to see Josh Hart just be used more as a primary screen setter and not just to draw a switch for somebody to cook. Like to actually be used as a screen setter and then used in the short role. Like I. I that is something I would like to see because I think Josh Hart he catches on the short roll like he can do high low with hartenstein he can obviously find shooters he can get to the rim and finish like that makes him a more dynamic offensive player and kind of to like his concerns as far as uh being involved offensively um yeah i, I would be very very like uh, that to me is what i'd really like to see more than the hartenstein thing i think hartenstein's been good i do think that Tibbs correctly identified him very early on as somebody like yes he can do things but if you give him too much leash she'll try to do way too much than he should like some of his passing at times can be adventurous to say the least uh yeah. some of his shots are on the rim this year I've just been like can you just not do that though or go up strong <laughs> if you're gonna do it like uh, that's what I would say I do like I'll, I'll give Tibbs shit for whatever, but I do think sometimes he nails like what a player is and what it, they are good at. And I do think with Hartenstein, he's correctly identified. Like, yes, he can do these things, but let's let's you know let's put a governor on him and uh, dial it down a little bit. Look, we don't need to do the Jokic of the East stuff too much.
1: Yeah, there's a middle ground here. I mean, I, I could see I could see using him at the top of the key, especially having guys cut backdoor more like we saw him find Hart backdoor against the Suns Um, or was it the Suns or was it the game before whenever Um, (laughs) he's a good passer he can be used more I do agree he gets too tricky sometimes like sometimes just give it to the first guy for the handoff please Um, I definitely agree with what you're saying about Josh Hart and I just think we need to find the guy on the short roll more in general, to be honest, when, 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 when opposing teams blitz, especially when it's like Hardenstein, I mean, I wish Randall would ever roll and not just set a screen to try and force a, a switch. Um, RJ, RJ can sometimes camp out on in the middle after setting a screen. Um, yeah, I just think, uh, Brunson and quickly need to do a better job of hitting the guy on the short roll, uh, when the defenders show at the level. Uh, and Josh Hart is definitely in there. Um, but I I, I could see using Hardenstein a little bit more as like just at the top of the key. Let him, you know, dribble handoffs and find cutters and stuff like I, I don't have a problem with that. But I, I see what you're saying, Schwinn, about like especially him going up stronger around the rim. Sometimes, sometimes he does the Randall like double clutch thing. And it's like, dude, you're not Randall. You can't hang 10 feet in the air and do that. You know, <laughs> like you're here, Isaiah Hardenstein. He also, like, he does this... I don't even know how to describe it. Mitch does this, too, but you can just tell it's because Mitch is, like,
0: weird. Like, he he has no, put like, back to the basket. You know what I mean? It's just, like, fine, whatever. But with Hardenstein, he does this thing where, like, I'm like, dude, like, he had somebody in the post against Phoenix, where, you know, I'm like, dude, you're, like, you've got, like, 40 fucking pounds in this guy. Like, something like that. And, like, four inches. Like, he makes himself small, and then he tries to do this, like, awkward, like, push shot hook thing, and I'm like, dude, just go up fucking strong through that motherfucker and finish this like like do that he he just makes himself too small sometimes i don't know um i do like again i like i Heart, though i love his the intensity he plays with like no matter even when he plays like shit his heart's always yeah, very ironic but his heart's always in the right place like he and I, I think he he plays his engine is pretty wild to me like how fast and and just like how you know he's like diving all the time and I, I do love that about him uh <laughs> and, and just oh, before I read this one uh this is from Walcott Fraser too some give and goes off hard Hardenstein least. I do agree that's something they can do more of um yeah I, that that I agree with they they can definitely do more of that um and I do wish they would use him a little bit more at the elbows and run maybe run some back cuts off that but we'll see uh this is from Omar Yusuf when Julius Randall gets his Knicks tribute video, it'll be a bunch of highlights against the Hornets and Pistons. Inshallah, we will get that video next year. Uh, well, can't can't say that I uh, totally disagree with what you're saying here. But look, like, you got to start somewhere. Uh, if he's going to find himself, he's got to start somewhere. And I don't see him getting traded this season, like in season. So he's going to be here. I would much rather he find a rhythm and catch, catch, like, you know, just get it going. Um, because we know that if he gets it going, at least in the regular season, he can string together months of good play offensively. Um, and we need that. We, we definitely, definitely need that. Um, so that's for sure. There. Um, I, I'm like pretty impressed with, I'm, I'm I've got this Rockets Mavericks game on in the back. Like, I don't know if the mat if the 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 what the rockets are gonna be doing anytime soon here but like I'm very impressed with how much they've turned it around and just how competitive they are
1: yeah i I mean Jalen Green just blocked Luca and then, yeah that was really unlucky what
0: just happened after that
1: <laughs> yeah um that was ridiculous I don't know what the guy who is passing it from out of it who is that who is number zero um
0: is this the guy? Is that the headband guy that's in the game? Yeah, I have no idea who that is, and he's just made like <laughs> multiple just horrible choices since he's coming. He also shot
1: a fucking floater that. Yeah, that floor. floater was insane. <laughs> it was like he couldn't figure out if he was trying to bank it or make it. That was, I I can't imagine he belongs on the court. Like if I if I was a Rockets fan, I would not be. But I mean, I was I was. It's funny that you brought this game up because I was going to ask you, you your. Uh, your Ime Udoka prediction is aging like fine wine. Like th- this is, I don't know. You were just basically like, oh yeah, Udoka is going to come in and teach them how to actually play basketball, and like that's gonna that's gonna yeah, he, help things pretty quickly. He's just gonna bully them. Like
0: he just was like, look guys, like the best. I he probably fucking like had a private investigator follow around KPJ and was like, you know what guys, this dude's a scumbag. Call it in. Uh, <laughs> like we need to get him off this team one way or the other. But. <laughs> I gotta say, man, he—he he definitely just went in there and was like, "Jalen Green, you haven't played a real fucking NBA minute in your life, you fucking coward." I just like—I just feel like he went in there and was just a huge swinging dick in the room, and they were all just like, "Oh my god, like this is amazing." But you know, look, I, for the shit their front office has gotten prior to this year—and deservedly so—look, they—they caught a lot of shit even in the offseason, right? right? Uh, the Fred VanVleet contract, the Dylan Brooks deal. Like, those guys have given them something in terms of, like, you know, they are – every coach needs players to actually deliver his message in the locker room and, like, set the example on the floor. I think those guys play with the energy, the intensity that you need. And, look, say what you want about Dylan Brooks, and the shooting with him, like, it's not going to last. But I don't think it's – a like, obviously, the Grizzlies are dealing with a lot. But, like, they totally tried to throw him under the bus last year for, like, oh, he's the reason why everything went bad the way it did and, you know, whatever. But, like, that dude has very, very legitimately, like, given them a lot. And I think the Mem- the Memphis Grizzlies are missing the intensity and all of the dickishness that that involves. Um I I, I think they're they're missing that, and I I think he's definitely helping set a tone in that locker room, and probably setting an example for these young guys of like what it takes to like be a competitive basketball player and
1: basketball team. Yeah, I I mean, if if like I could show you saying that to myself four months ago, myself four (laughs) months ago, would be like no fucking way, get get out of here, like. But hey, I mean. I just I still can't believe how insane his exit from the Grizzlies was. Like, there's never been there's never been anything <laughs> like that ever. The Grizzlies were like, under no circumstances is this guy coming back. Like, that's that's so just outrageous to me. I can't believe it. Um <laughs> This is from Jason Aravallo. Dylan Books probably acts like a choir boy around <laughs> Ime. Uh
0: well, look, I think it's safe to say that Ime ime standard of what a choir boy is may vary uh from what many of us believe a choir boy uh should be but yes i i agree <laughs> this is from brent an ime imaginary quote listen guys i might not be the best guy but kpj is an asshole yes <laughs> that's exactly what i think happened like there was all that reporting right that harden wanted to come back and once they hired ime ime was just like get the fuck out of here like no way we're not we're not signing this clown. Are you fucking serious? Um, but like, look, again, I, I just think if you're going to criticize front offices, which we do all the time, like for fucking up, I think you got to give these like this front office. What is it? Raphael Stone, right? He's the GM there. Uh, I think he deserves credit for what he did this offseason because look, they were in a similar situation to the Pistons, right? Where it's like, yeah, you've been accumulating talent, but like, do you have a direction? What's your identity? What are you trying to be as a team? And this is a big offseason for them. And they hired a coach who I think is clearly a hit, at least as far as coaching actual NBA basketball. Now, how good of a person he is, I don't know. I don't really want to go there either. I don't know the facts of anything that happened. But as a coach, he's damn for he's damn sure uh, a value add. And then they took chances on proper vets, right? They And they spent money. They took real risks. And they're reaping some rewards from that. And I think you're also now seeing some of their young guys developing in competitive basketball situations. And like, you know, I, I, this is one thing I always thought about like why I would prefer to hire somebody like Tibbs um, who isn't just going to be like handing out minutes for development guys for the develop, for the sake of development. Like I think developing guys within the like cauldron of competitive basketball is what's valuable. Um, and you know, are there limits to that? And, you know, we'll see, maybe it may has limits too with a younger basketball team, right? Like maybe in a year we'll be like, well, Jalen Green needs more usage. They need to tell Dylan Brooks to chill the fuck out. But like right now, I think for what they were and where they were, this is a guy who makes sense for them. And there will be young guys that are, you know, in some ways you can call it collateral damage if you want, um, within like what he is attempting to achieve. But, there's no doubt that um, you know, again, a guy like Jabari Smith Jr., right? Uh I mean Alperin Sengun is the biggest one. Like this guy, his first year, two years in the league or whatever, was fucking, I mean, one of the worst defenders I've ever watched. Just absolutely awful. And I'm not saying he's like the second coming now of Akeem Alajwan, but you watch him now, he knows where to be, he's executing, he plays hard, and And because he's just getting that, like that doing the, the bare minimum or not in the bare minimum, but like doing the basics level of defense from Shangun, He's also leaned into him offensively in a way that they didn't do in the past seasons. And boy, is he rewarding them? I mean, he's been fantastic this season when I've seen him.
1: Yeah. I mean, shangun has been, yeah, just awesome. I don't have anything to add to that. He's been really good. Um, I uh, EPM loves him. Um, I think Jalen Green's kind of the only one who's taking a little bit to figure it out. Um, but even him, I've like, better recently too. Yeah, no, he has. But also, like, imagine you're you know you're a score-first shooting guard who basically spent two years being allowed to do whatever you want, and now it's like, hey, figure out this system where there's going to be actual consequences if you if you fuck up like it has got to be weird and it's got to be jarring and i i'm not surprised it's going to it's taking him a little bit to figure it out and I, I if i was a rockets fan i wouldn't be worried about him or excuse me i wouldn't feel any differently than i felt um about him before the season i actually if anything maybe i'd feel a little bit better because i would just be like okay if anybody's going to get the most out of this guy it's udoka
0: Yeah. I yeah, totally agree with that. Uh, this is from J.K. Memphis cursed themselves when they ran him out of town regarding Dylan Brooks. Brent, I do think we let the Grizzlies gaslight us a little. He went from a flawed starter to an absolute menace he was going to play in China soon. Yeah, no, they they totally did. And uh I, hands up, I was definitely one of those people also. But, like, the thing that I never quite got is, like, his impact stuff has always been great. Dylan Brooks' impact, like, even while he's shooting like crap, his impact data, like all of it, has always been really good. Um, and that's why I thought it was weird that they like, there was no kind of like pushback on, like, look, I get that he's an asshole and he does things that are really annoying, but like, what if he's good though? Like, what if he's just actually good at basketball still? And I think that definitely happened a lot within the summer. Uh, and it was easy to kind of get carried away and make funny jokes and whatever. Um, also, from JK, for every, Dagnol? Is it Daniel? How do you pronounce his last name? Do you know?
1: I don't know how exactly how to pronounce it. Sorry.
0: We'll call him uh, Dagnolty. Uh, for every Dagnolty, no. Uh, Dagnol. I think it's Dagnol. Um, there's 10 Fisdales. Look, every time... Like, the worst part about losing to the Suns was seeing David Fisdale on the side on victorious sideline. Um, but, like, yeah, Fisdale was just... Good God. That was i genuinely believe this he is the worst coach in nick's history and <laughs> there was nothing that was learned in the what he coached so he coached 82 games and then he coached what was it, we were four and 16 when he got fired it was a four and 20 whatever the hell it was um, something
1: like that by the way it's Dagnalt. d like Dagnalt. so like D D A G G hyphen n-a-l-t um
0: okay yeah uh I just I have to look this up because I just think it's it, it's ridiculous. Uh, David a four and eighteen when he got fired. So in his twenty two plus eighty two, it is one hundred and four games. Nothing was learned. Nothing was gained from that experience. Um, he was absolutely terrible, and he was destructive. Like we, they had to fire him because we were doing a Pistons. Like that's what we were doing like there was no improvement from anybody i mean the guy had marcus morris shooting fucking flames out of his ass and he couldn't win ball games like i'm sorry get the fuck out of here
1: he was oh man like <laughs> that picture of him smiling with <laughs> that with <laughs> of him smiling with the knicks down 100 to 61 to milwaukee is like one of the funniest things ever to me that's just i don't think you can en- encapsulate his, his uh, i don't think you can encapsulate and en- encapsulate Anything better than that picture encapsulates his time coaching the Knicks because it was just that bad. Um, man, that's so funny. I can just still pick. It's like, a, man, there's this really old video. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you you remember those? Uh, you remember those old commercials they used to run during the ESPN NBA games? It was like a slow piano, and they showed like an NBA highlight in slow motion. It was like NBA where amazing happens. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I Some somebody made like a parody of one of those with uh, Zach Randolph uh, dribbling. Like he got the ball with like twenty seconds on the shot clock against the Raptors as a Knicks player, and like dribbled <laughs> I the. Sh- I remember that. Dri- <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and they just set <laughs> it to that music from that commercial, and then put like Knicks where amazing happens or whatever. And the final shot of that <laughs> video is Isaiah Thomas just smiling on the sidelines it's just like it's just one of those things that'll always stick with me you know and and that physical picture I know that mobile. video exactly <laughs> uh, but like the the,
0: the, fu- the that physical picture it basically encapsulates why once it was like kind of trending towards Tibbs becoming the head coach i was like you know what that's fine like that i that is fine because i could never imagine a scenario what have we ever been down 40 under Tibbs? Like, I can't imagine that.
1: Um Two, the it, worst, the worst game I can think of is that thunder game at home. And we were never down. We weren't even down 40 in that game. We just got our ass kicked. We got our
0: ass kicked. And we just couldn't, we couldn't, we did not play defense that game. That's what happened. We just didn't defend. Um yeah. But like we were, I think that was like, I mean, it's still like a 15 point game for the most part. It wasn't like we were down 40. It just felt awful because we couldn't stop them. Um, it might've been a bit more. I don't know. I think sure. we ended up losing by, like, single digits, maybe even. Uh, Man, I mean, even the really? Mavericks w- – yeah, I think the Mavericks won last year was also bad, but, like I – mean, for- I mean, the point being, though, is, like, if we were down 40 points, can you imagine Tim's calling a timeout and just, like, Cheshire Grin, ear to ear, <laughs> when – with, like, you know, uh, with Obi coming back to the bench or something? Like, he would he would just be scowling – Screaming at somebody like he would have been he would have been so pissed. <laughs> this is another good one. The fizzdale whiteboard pick that said together. <laughs> that one is really good. It's a
1: really funny one. So so you were right uh on but well you were wrong, but you were way more right than me. Uh the, the Knicks ended up losing that game by 10, and the most they were down is 19.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, just yeah. Don't, I remember they weren't like down 40 at any point, but um you know it was <laughs> <laughs> that physical era was something like the the I I will say I don't hate him the most though of any next coach. That will always and forever be Larry Brown. Just the most <laughs> miserable year of being a fan I've ever experienced of any team ever. Like that year was so pointless and it was just obvious he just wanted to get fired and paid to go away. Uh what a miserable shit stain of a coach, man. Awful, awful dude. Hated him, despised him hope that he is miserable wherever he is forever and ever and ever. <laughs> um, all right. I think this is probably a good place. to end up. Do you have any final takes from the game tonight? Uh, before we get out
1: of here? Not really. Nothing. Uh, I think we, I think we covered the bases. I mean, it was a pretty, I mean, I think the fact that we spent so much time talking about other stuff, kind of like, this was a game we were supposed to win. I don't, it's just tough to take, to, you know, I'm not trying to, pour cold water on the Randall stuff, but like this team was bad. And like, there was, (laughs) there were moments before the Knicks really broke it open. I'm not even just talking about the third quarter when the Hornets cut it to one, I'm saying like in the first half, when the Knicks were only up eight, there were stretches where it was just like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like this is a very, aside from Randall, this is a very depressing eight point lead because this Hornets team was not good. Yeah, I mean, they
0: definitely shot themselves in the foot multiple times today. Just felt like they were playing dumb at various stages. Um, oh, go that RJ. Can RJ, can you just fucking dunk that next time? Enough with this finger roll shit. Just fucking go up and yam that shit. Or you're you're either going to go foul or you're going to get, or you're going to dunk it. Like, there's none of this, like, enough with the finger roll. Enough. Like, you got a full head of steam coming down the lane in transition. Dunk the ball. Enough. Like, I, I, we don't need to see the finger roll thing. Um, I agree with you. I I still feel like this team is probably about five to seven games away from, like, really taking off. Really good signs tonight, though, from Hart and Quick. Like, if Hart and Quick play – I mean, Quick has been playing fine the entire season, but, like, if Hart plays like this, like, he has this type of impact consistently, you can overcome a lot of – the bad Julius stuff just because he's that impactful and that's huge for this team because I still am wary of like, Oh, Julius is going to get it together. Like I, I just am like, I, I know that he scored efficiently against Phoenix and then he scored efficiently again tonight. This is an opponent. And honestly Phoenix is an opponent too, given like their personnel that it's not too surprising that he scored well inside the yard. The three point shooting is still not good. You know, he ended up going what two of seven tonight. Like he still has not had a real positive um, shooting game, so that that is concerning for me. Um, and I think that's definitely something to uh, to get to get uh, to to keep an eye on. Last, Walcott Fraser the drop up from Van Gundy to Don Chaney, then bringing Chaney back was rough for me as a fan. Yeah, Chaney sucked,
1: and he was just clearly not good enough. One uh, one thing I will say to you know anyone sticking around if you're staying up for the next hour or two, the Warriors need to beat the Kings by 12 or more to advance. So, I mean, this could be, I don't know, this could be like the first time in NBA history that there's a 12 point game and they're both teams are still trying at the end to try and get. This out. Right. Yeah. Still maxing yeah. out. Cause um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean. It so makes it I, cool. I
0: got it. Yeah. We didn't even talk about it. So guys, we like, let's just talk about this before we get at least. This in-season tournament's awesome. Like I was skeptical that I thought it was a good idea, but in my I was also like, it'll probably take a few years for this to to become a thing. I think it's cool that fans are into it. I think it's cool. Like you could like Mike Breen was like a kid in a candy store about this. Um and and I think it's cool that like you could you can see the players care about this. Like they're into it. They want to be in the tournament, you know, they want a chance to go to Vegas. Um and this is what uh jack coogan schwinn you need to respect in season tournament point differential numbers uh, yes i i do uh, he also said respect iq's huge free throws up 22 yes i agree uh a lot of huge breen had a lot of like huge shot here but he quickly got a bang, quickly got a bang when he hit that like a three in the fourth quarter by the way, like oh to put God. us back up 23, He was like, Bang! I was like, dude, relax. <laughs> like,
1: Quickly was ridiculous in that fourth quarter. I never want to see him play like that ever again. <laughs> that was just that was too much for me. Like, I don't know. I just. <laughs> the funny thing is, you know,
0: that like Julius was happy to do it too, right? Because he was like. Julius was loving it. He was <laughs> like, give me those assists, buddy. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's, dude, what, it was. that's what it was. It was actually
1: kind of hilarious to watch that. Um, and he, he was hunting he was hunting rebounds and stuff and <laughs> I, I, you know i think the reason i was skeptical skeptical of the in-season tournament because i mean i know you're a big soccer guy big man you guy i've always loved champions league but like the and, and my older brother you know used to scold me and be like champions league, like the real fans love epl man And i was like dude fuck that like i'm not I'm, like, you, you would like, I'm also not out. a real fan buddy yeah. whatever <laughs> um no, I mean he would just say like if you ask the players, they care more about like if 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 you asked a Man U player, most Man U players would rather win the league than win Champions League. I don't know, that's what well, he would say at least.
0: I it's it's uh, it's it's a weird thing. It's like you'd rather win the Champions League in a given year, like in any one year. If you're like, oh, we want to win it. Like if you're like, you get to win one, you either win the Champions League or the or the Premier League. You want to win the Champions League, but it's like a better hallmark of a truly great team to win in the league because it's a consistent tournament. Every match is the same. You're playing the other 19 teams twice. Um, And like, there's an idea of like owning your league, right? Like, Oh, like this is our league. So like, we can't give up throne here where it's like more acceptable to like, you know, all right, we didn't win the, the champions league this year, not exactly the end of the world, but like, Losing to your domestic rivals is a little bit tougher.
1: Has has Man U won the EPL since the year? We don't talk about that. They got second, and Man City score like Man City basically had it rigged for them. Yeah, uh, we we won the year after that, but we haven't won since then. We haven't won in a decade, so it's really awesome. Thank you. I was I was with my older brother when that happened. Like he was explaining it to me. He was like, "Okay, Man U did it," and then like I swear to God, he he did not go a week. After that, without explaining to me, like, dude, this guy who was on the team that was facing Man City, he's from the same country as the guys from Man City. They definitely let them score. And like he's still he was still angry about that to this day about Man <laughs> about Man City getting gifted that, there, that there, EPL were,
0: there were a lot of conspiracy theories after that game going on. <laughs> uh
1: this
0: is from JL Nixon. This is a pretty good point. Nixon go from down 19 in the fourth against Miami facing elimination to NBA Cup champions. Yes. I like this narrative. That's a great point. It's a good narrative. Uh, oh, are yeah. The, my, are the uh, NBA just, Cup semifinals in Vegas as well? I believe so. I'm pretty sure they are. It's Isn't it all in Vegas? No, this next round is, so we're at Milwaukee. Oh, we're at Milwaukee.
1: Okay. Um, But yeah, what I was going to say is like, I love Champions League. I love that sweat. And so when I talk to people about it and I said that, they'd be like, why are you skeptical of the in-season tournament? And I would, uh, I would, my stance is, the It's simple we see these NBA teams play each other already. Like there's no, they're not adding anything new. It's not like, like the whole cool thing about champions league is like, Oh, Barcelona is playing, you know, man, you in the 2009 champions league final, you get Ronaldo versus Messi. you know, like that's yeah. the coolest thing ever there. Every NBA player already plays each other and we already have a tournament with these NBA teams. So this is like, it just seemed unnecessary. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think they've nailed like every decision related to it. The courts are a little jarring at first, but you get used to it. Uh, I mean, we're lucky. The Knicks jerseys are awesome. Like the, the, yeah, the I didn't the like jer- them at first, but like now when you see them actually wearing it, I'm
0: like, oh no, no, this looks good. This is good.
1: Yeah. Um. So I agree. I agree with you completely. I, I'm I'm into it, and I'm excited that the Knicks are moving on. I mean, this is also a
0: good point. Is point differential the answer for the general problem of the regular season? Maybe, but like the thing is, see, this could get dangerous. Because if you're like, well, point differential is how we're gonna do everything, you're gonna get some of these tanking teams just doing disgusting things. Like, like, oh, we're gonna just we need to lose this game by 60 tonight. Like you you'll get scenarios that that will be so gross both ways. It's like, oh, this team needs to win by fifty and this team needs to lose by fifty. Like, you don't wanna do that. I, I, I think I think it's perfect for the tournament. And they're doing it early in the season. Where, like, these games, this is the hardest part of the schedule to get people to care about, right? Like, before that Christmas Day, which is, like, the big launch, really, for the NBA season. Um, this is, like, the toughest time to get people to, like, clock in and care. So, I think this is really good. Um, and, and yeah, like, I, I just think, you know, the other thing that's cool about this is, like, I think even for these bad teams, like, they don't want to get, like, I think the Hornets came out in the second half and they were trying really, really hard. Because they were like, look, fuck this. Like, we're not trying to just get embarrassed because the Knicks need to beat us by 20 fucking points. Like, this is embarrassing. Like, we want to compete too. And I think you get a higher intensity because of that. Because honestly, there's a chance tonight, if there's none of this going on, like the Hornets could have just mailed it in, you know, fucking seven minutes into that game and just been like, fuck this. Like, it's New York. Let's, let's, you know, let's get out of here. Let's hit one oak. Uh, and, you know, get bottles and we'll bounce tomorrow morning. Like, it could have just been uh, a, a disgusting game. And instead, you know, like, obviously the Knicks pull away at the end and we get this crazy fourth quarter stuff going on. But, like, you know, they made it competitive for a bit. And, you know, like, I think even the Bulls, like, I, I know they got destroyed. By the way, the Bulls are just <laughs> – that team is, like, talk about a team waiting for December 15th so that more players in the league can get, can get traded. Uh, they That's all they're waiting for. Um, but like, even they like cut the lead back down to like 25 or whatever it was, you know what I mean? So I think you're getting some, and, and your point, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I think this end of this game, it kind of doesn't matter. Like, it'll, it'll be worse actually if Golden State's up like 25 or if the Kings cut the lead or if they're like, the Kings are like down by one, right? You almost want this game to be somewhere between like uh 10 to 15 point deficit for most of the second half. Uh, because you'll get like really competitive hoops because of it
1: um, yeah no yeah I I disagree I just want to say the Bulls are every time we get a chance to talk about that I mean just I just can't believe how I don't know they're fucked like they're just they they've got to start completely over because they're they're terrible well you know
0: we've talked about this a lot with the Knicks we're like we talked about this a lot this summer we're like you know kind of the idea of evolving your team, taking risks and blah, blah, blah. And I, obviously I think we both were on the same page. We're like, you don't need to do the whole thing. But like one guy may need to go at whatever point, but like you want to see a team that just literally has no direction and has nothing to even build from like, that is the bulls. They have nothing right now. Um, This is from Jack Coogan Again, I have a question seeing as the final day of the tournament has been a success. Where does it go from here do we extend it to two two times the group games 16 knockout teams instead of 8 That's a good point like I I agree I mean they I think they talked about it this right like this was like kind of like they wanted to give it a trial run just to see how it went and kind of expand from there but like there's a chance they might look at this and be like look this was a really big hit like is there a way to incorporate more of these games into the regular season you know without affecting the overall total of games teams are playing um and and make this an even bigger lengthy tournament
1: um yeah (laughs) i mean i just always agree with you so it's like it's tough um i i i definitely agree that the nba is going to consider that i hope they give this format you know a little bit you know a couple years at least let it let it let it really dig its heat uh it's feet in before just immediately being like okay we've got to expand it you know similar to what the college football playoff did you know um of course i, I do think the college football playoff is going to end up expanding a year or two or a year too late because yeah. this is this is a prime year when an eight team playoff would be really fun
0: i um, don't agree i'm very happy with the 14 playoff
1: I'm sure you are not, <laughs> you're, you're 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 not you're not going to feel that way when you get shut out by Iowa when when Iowa takes <laughs> <laughs> yeah when, okay, Iowa, when, when Iowa wins the game two to nothing
0: <laughs> so they actually there's a pretty funny uh so they did like you know Kirk France had to do the press conference yesterday and they asked him about um you know the Michigan sign stealing thing and somebody was like you know are you concerned that they have your offensive side like signal calls and he was like he like clearly was trying so hard not to laugh. He was like, no, we're we're not worried about that having
1: our offensive sides, buddy. Um do you, know that, do you, you know that their offensive coordinator is his son, yes. right?
0: Yeah. And did
1: he has a contract. Did you know that uh before the season, yes, they gave him an ultimatum? Like if you you either average 25 points a game or you're fired.
0: Yeah, they like it was like and it was like by week three, everybody knew, like, yeah, they're not gonna do it. Um yeah. this is from Walt Clyde Fraser. Is there a risk? of the nba cup turning into a punchline if the cup winner doesn't make a deep playoff run what do you think jeff
1: everything is a meme these days i don't think i don't think uh i don't think so though i think it i think it'll be meaningful when it happens um i think
0: i think because the team's Isn't it like all the teams that are in it are good? Like I don't think there's any like bullshit teams. In the in the East, it's Bucks, Pacers, Celtics, Knicks. Yeah, so like these are all good teams, and then I don't know what the West is, but yet, but like I'm sure it's probably like Minnesota, whatever. Like I don't know. I'll tell you.
1: I'll tell you right now. It is. So the in the West, it's Lakers, Suns, Pelicans. And then the winner of this uh, okay. of this Kings uh, Kings Warriors game. So yeah, so <laughs>
0: yeah, like I guess the the West is a little bit, but even that, like you look, Lakers are trying to, they're going to be a competitive team this year. the The Suns are a competitive team. The Pelicans have been better. Like the Pelicans are just weird. I I don't I don't even understand their team. Like they're very odd. Um, but they, they just have
1: lo- they just lost to the Jazz twice without Lowry. I don't.
0: I, I have no, I, I don't get it. Like it, they're just, and it's like, this is after they had won some, like they beat somebody that was, it was really impressive. I forgot who it was, I mean, they absolutely dismantled Sacramento last week. Um mm-hmm. And they had a couple other impressive wins and it's like, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do with you anymore. Um Yeah. I, I don't think so. I think this will be like a normal, I think it'll be fine. I think, um I think people are taking it for what it is. And I do like, look, if you want to see how guys uh respond and, high stakes playoff type settings uh at the nba level like i think you're going to get to see that i'm not saying the preparation will be the same as it is for actual playoffs but like i think the intensity of these games will be very high i i don't i don't think they're going to be like oh just another regular season game like no i think the intensity is going to be pretty pretty jacked up um yep yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm, we're gonna wrap up here a little bit, guys. Just we've been doing it for a while. Uh, it's been a good idea to have an in season This is from Stanley Mann, by the way, it's been a good idea to have an in season tournament. Maybe they should put less of an emphasis on point differential. I just don't know how you would do this without the point differential. I think that's like the easiest way to make to differentiate between the groups. Otherwise, you're gonna have so many tiebreakers that, like, you know, it's just a very straightforward thing.
1: Um, you could, you could, they, well, they could do it. Um, they, they could, they could have point differential be the second tiebreaker. So, like, I assumed that head to head was going to matter more. So, like, I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm not saying this is the answer, but if, you know, if Pete, they were thinking like Stanley and they were like, how do we come up with a tiebreaker? They could do, you know, if there's two teams with the same record, then it goes to head to head. But if there's three teams, then it goes to point differential.
0: I think what they need to do is expand this so that the group stage, so that you play each team home and away that's the thing you need to do and then you can make head to head the first tiebreaker and then you'd have point differential be the second tiebreaker yep that um, makes sense to me so basically I mean that's literally like Champions League right that's basically what they do in the group stage yeah um, all right we're gonna how is, how is man you doing in Champions League oh, we don't want to talk about that they're, okay. they're doing they're doing, they're doing. Uh, we <laughs> will find out I'll, I'll let you know in uh, about 18 hours how about that uh all right that is our show for tonight thanks to everybody that was in the chat rocking with us really really appreciate all uh your guys support again check out all the work that we're doing over on the patreon um or subscribe to the patreon check out all the work we're putting out pods uh articles again the recaps have been really really good from matt Gigi dropped a good one over the um over the weekend and um yeah just in general like uh you know, it's 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 all good stuff there. Check out the merch on our website. I don't think – are either of us wearing merch today? I'm not. Are you? I am. Oh, there you go. You can ride that. You can buy sweatshirts, T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles on our website if you go there. And, um, yeah, uh, this is – I'll answer this one last question. Galatasaray United tomorrow score prediction. Uh, I, I will never predict that we will lose, so 2 on United and uh, Wilfred Zaha can fuck off. All right. That is our show for tonight. Uh, thanks again for everybody that rocked with us. Really, really appreciate you guys' support. Uh, until Thursday, uh, that's the next time we'll see you. So, uh, again, enjoy your week until then. And uh, that is good night from me, Jeff. Later, guys. Later, guys. <laughs>